If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. So, you can't really do anything about mobile without talking to Google.、Um, and this guy is in charge of kind of a big part of the company. It's, it's the search area, which you might have heard Google's done very well in.、Um, without further ado, Amit Singhal. Hey, Kira. You don't want to grab that one? Terrific. <laughs> he, brought, he brought props. I brought props. How are you doing? He、here? brought a, like, it's a, it's a book, right? Yes. I haven't seen yes, one of those in years. Yes, I know. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we have so much to talk about.、You're, explain what you do at Google. So, you、uh, can. This is, you're one of the most unknown people, though you're in charge of one of the most important parts of Google.、I'm, well, I like the unknown part.、Um, so. Uh, fundamentally, I'm responsible for search.、Yeah. Anything that shows up on Google's search result page、uh, is done by my wonderful group, not advertising. For that, my friend Sridhar is responsible.、Mm-hmm. But I'm responsible from when you start talking to Google through speech recognition to what you get from, you know, in a spoken form or, or on the search result page.、Uh, I am responsible for that. And now we are here at Code Mobile. So, I thought I'd start with telling something that the world doesn't know yet、okay. about、like、how mobile search is doing at okay. Google. Okay. So, this summer, for the first time, we are getting more searches on mobile devices than desktop, and that trend is going to continue worldwide. We have surpa- mobile searches have, searches have surpassed、mm-hmm. desktop searches.、Mm-hmm. And, and that's Tremendous. What's the number on that? What's the actual number?、Uh, well, numbers are big. Okay. <laughs> I would imagine, but would you like to tell them to us?、Uh, well, so, you know, we get、uh, over 100 billion searches a month.、Mm-hmm. So, half, more than half of those? More than half of those are coming from mobile devices.、Uh, and tablet, I'm keeping separate because it's neither here nor there. So,、mm-hmm. when you compare mobile devices to desktop, that's what we're seeing now. So, when you're talking mobile devices, what are you talking about? Phones themselves or iPad? iPad, iPad, iPad not tablets. tablets. Not, not tablets. Tab- because they're somewhere in the middle, right? right. Know, they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, when we think of mobile devices, <laughs> it's less than six inches form factor. Okay. And so that's more than half. So now your, your business is mobile, really?、Uh, indeed, right? You know,、yeah. it's, it's like, you know, we care about three important things mobile, mobile, and mobile. Right.
Right, and you guys made, you, you moved into Android, you moved, into that, you moved into that rather early. Let's talk about the future of search, like where you're, you're thinking, if it's not desktop, which I think everyone gets, I, don't, I think this is not a new, you know, like it's not a surprising thing to this to happen, but what, where do you imagine search going in this paradigm? You, you guys have tried different things, and we're going to talk about each individual one, um, but overall, where is search, how do you envision search? Is it Google Now, or is it... What's what's the paradigm of search five years from now? That's that's you know that's what I spend my life thinking about. Mm -hmm. Search as we all know it, or that we knew like five years back, mm -hmm. is so yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And the future. Well, by of, definition, if it was five years yes, ago, yes, exactly. Yesterday. I'm glad you caught that. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> so you know, if you think about where future is taking us, search as we think about it is fundamentally how you will interact with computing. Computing may live in a four inch to six inch device, mm -hmm. it may live on a desktop, it may live on a one inch round device. Computing, we will be interface to computing, and search would be that interface from talking to it, speech recognition, all the way get to getting what you want. So, for example, today, a simple fact that on your Android phone you can tap on the mic and say, call mom, and that works, it's part of the search process because you have to understand what that really means. It has speech recognition, natural language processing, mm -hmm. followed by execution of the action. Mm -hmm. And that's just one part of search. So search would be very much, you know, giving you what you want at the same time with things like Google Now, periodically search will tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, you should pay attention to this. So for example, Google mm -hmm. Now this morning told me that it would take me longer than usual to get here from my home in Palo Alto. Mm -hmm. And so I had to leave actually 10 minutes earlier than, than I'd planned mm -hmm. because Google Now told me, given the traffic conditions, no, Google Now knew where my next meeting that is here. Uh, it was, so, you know, that was a tremendous thing. Search tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you should leave early today. And that's so, where search is so, headed. So it, it, the box is gone? Would you call the box dead or not? Well, you know, I mean, dead's a strong word, but okay, clearly right. we don't think about just the box anymore. Right, right. And, and where are those, do, do people, do you feel like that's something that just will wane, that people, it's sort of, it does seem a little Neanderthal to put words into a box and then get it, but it's a little card catalog-ish, it's a little library-like. Ah, so, you know, instead of thinking about it that way, mm -hmm. the way we think about is device capabilities, mm -hmm. okay? Devices have various capabilities. So mm -hmm. on one angle, we think about device capabilities. On the other hand, we think about your environment. Mm -hmm. So sitting in here, for example, if someone wants to search my name and they start talking to their phone, people around them will look at them. Mm -hmm. So out there they need a box of some kind. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when I'm walking my dogs mm -hmm. and I want to look up something, typing when, when my dogs are pulling me is a bad idea, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So that's when I talk to it. Mm -hmm. So depending on what environment you are and what device capabilities you have, mm -hmm. you may type into it, you may actually talk to it, mm -hmm. or you may just tap to get what you want, like in Google Now. Right. Scenario. So in this new in this scenario, which is changing, you have enormous competitors. Then, like it changes because search, you know, no one wanted to compete with Google in the box search. That was just, it was sort of like Microsoft and the operating. So it was like pointless. Um, in this world, it's a very different paradigm because uh, right now, I think. 44% of Amazon people do product searches on Amazon, for example. They, they don't touch Google in an important category. Um, that happens on Twitter. Everywhere there's different search now. And if, if you're talking about different capabilities, 
you now have a quantum level of competitors that are worthy competitors versus why even bother competing with Google? So, you know, I me mean, if you track the history of, of Google, when I joined Google in 2000, mm -hmm. you know, we were the little company. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, as time passed, we became the not so little company, yeah. but we had competition all along. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can think of all those companies that are now in the rear view mirror, but, mm -hmm. you know, fundamentally, we had competition all along. And the one thing that we have stayed true is, uh, true to is our mission, mm -hmm. which is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Mm -hmm. And that mission is really kind of what drives us. Mm -hmm. And what that allows us to do is think about the user, mm -hmm. right? We think about day to day, how we are going to serve the next 5 billion users who are going to come online by 2020, mm -hmm. okay? That's, that's, how, that's how our thought process goes. It, we, you know, competition's good, keeps us honest, right. make sure I don't but make claims case, that are unreal. Right. However, we build it for the users. Users love us, they come to us. Google's a choice. Right. But in this paradigm, there is, this, when it shifts, it's like, I'm thinking like a Pinterest, they search on Pinterest. There's no relationship with Google. Everyone else used to have a relationship. Everything was searching was a relationship. Google was part of the relationship of search. And in many of these things, it's not at all. It's uh, not even, there's not, you don't see it anywhere. Look, fundamentally, you're talking about some of these vertical silos that yeah. people have built. Right, which are okay. large. These are not. Yeah, and, and these are large, mm -hmm. right? And they, they serve their niche purposes, and that's perfectly fine, mm -hmm. right? You know, I see no problems with that. Mm -hmm. But as we see it, the information ecosystem is far bigger than any vertical silo, mm -hmm. okay? The beauty of the web is that anyone can put information and services on it, mm -hmm. and anyone can get it. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to be a mini search engine of your own to figure out where you want to search right. today, right. okay? Right. And that's a very powerful paradigm. Mm -hmm. That's an even more powerful paradigm as your device capabilities shrink from a large keyboard and a mouse and a screen Mm -hmm. to barely voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so this is, this, that's what we are focused on. We don't really think about day-to-day -day, uh, about, you know, great services like Pinterest and Snapchat, and great, you know, they've built a great service for their users. I'm happy for them. Mm -hmm. I use some of them, mm -hmm. and that's a good thing. Right. So we, we, you're not in the advertising business, but a lot of search did, you know, thrive on inefficiency, that, that this was one place where everything was. Um, everything's gotten so efficient um, it makes it, how do you change the business model in that? Because Google benefited from that is that they could bring it together in a cogent way in this mess. Um, when things are a lot less messy and more focused, and you know, a lot of them are niches. Pinterest, you could call it a niche, but Facebook is not a niche, for example. That's, that, that, and that's a whole world where they never see Google. Uh, well, look, you know, so we can talk about that mm -hmm. later, but fundamentally, when you're connecting users to services and those informa that information and services which is brought online mm -hmm. by a large swath of publishers. Mm -hmm. Those publishers who are not beholden to one company, you can just right. publish things mm -hmm. on your own without kind of having to make a deal with someone. Mm -hmm. When you have information and services that are not beholden to a single company and users can find them, that's when users actually get the best information and best service when they need it. Mm -hmm. And whenever you have that model, which is to bring the best information and services to users, 
there's always ways to monetize it. Okay. Now, when you think about the app universe, how do you feel about, are you, are you more worried about apps, or do, where do you imagine that going? Ah, and so, where Google plays in that? Yeah, no, this, this is a great question, because I get it asked many times, fundamentally, the question gets, comes in form of, you know, aren't app silos, wouldn't mm -hmm. they kind of, aren't they opaque black boxes, mm -hmm. you can't do anything with them, right. and, and various other things. So I'm not putting words in your right, mouth, right. but okay. that's roughly the sense uh, that, that... Well, I it's not, it's question. again, somewhere where Google doesn't enter. Yeah, and so if you actually take a step back and think about apps, mm -hmm. okay, and you, you, you know, you look at the Comscore 2015 apps report that just came out, mm -hmm. Uh, and fundamentally, what you see is that there are a handful of communication apps where people spend their lives, communication mm -hmm. and entertainment. WhatsApp. Or you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, Snapchat. Facebook Messenger, YouTube. You know, there are a handful of those apps where people spend their time. But then if you look at the non-communication and non-entertainment apps, which is information and services, the apps are fundamentally a far better way to render the same information that they are rendering on the web. The information is coming from the same backend. Mm -hmm. So if you take a step back and take a computer science perspective of what apps are and what they are doing, when you write a web page today, and, and we'll go and talk about web page and the web ecosystem, but when you write a web page today, not only do you write the data and the information that you need to give to the user, you also write the entire render code, which is JavaScript containers and so on and so forth. And every time... You, a user has to read a web page from your site. Not only do they get the data, they get the whole render code, the entire program, the entire binary at the same time. Now, the apps model is appealing because that render code is already present on your device, can use local capabilities, can use local processor, and all you need to send is the incremental data. From our perspective, the user should get the best information in the best interface. Mm -hmm. On a mobile device, a binary that's sitting on your phone that can use your phone's processor mm -hmm. is actually a better interface. It can give you 60 frames per second experience, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So we started app indexing. Mm -hmm. And today, 40% of Google searches get an app indexing uh, compatible page in the top five results. Mm -hmm. And we have indexed over 100 billion app indexing links. Mm -hmm. So what does that do for the user? As a user, your paradigm doesn't change. You ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. And if you have the better interface installed on your phone, we will send you there. If not, we will send you to the web. Mm -hmm. That's how we think about apps uh, in the deep computer science perspective of code caching mm -hmm. and 60 frames per second rendering. So you like apps. Um, I love apps. Okay. Um, the, let's talk about two things. One is AMP and the other is, I'm going to start with the first one, the Apple search deal. Where, where are you on that? Uh, Apple's a great partner and we really like having them as a partner. Okay. And? <laughs> and you, know, you imagine you're going to be the default search on Apple? They're what? a great partner and, you know, we, we <laughs> like having them as a partner. <laughs> and what about them as a partner? Uh, they are just wonderful partners, <laughs> okay. right? You know, what and look, you know, fundamentally, uh, we we love uh, what they do, um, and you know, Apple users also love Google. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and it's just it's just a positive uh, partnership, and we care about that partnership. If it wasn't you, who do you imagine it would be? Who would they pick? I mean, look, you know, you that question you'll have to ask Tim. Okay. All right, but you're trying to compete to stay in that. Uh, I, you know, my job is to build the best 
uh, experience for our users and the best search engine there is. Right. And that's what we do. And the product speaks for itself. Right. So you don't sneak over there and go, remember maps. Uh, that's all right. You know, me, look, you know, uh, my job is to compete on the merit of the product. Okay. All right. Let's talk about two other things. One is AMP. I also want to know what it's like working for Sundar and the new Alphabet thing. Perhaps you could explain that for us, but that's at the end. Um, wearables search. It's terrible. Uh-huh. You mean wearables are terrible or no, search is search terrible? No, search on wearables is terrible. Search me, you know, wearables today are not quite the form factor that would satisfy your traditional search needs. Mm-hmm. So wh- how would you begin to search? How do you think about that? So what we have observed is that as soon as the form factor changes, the kinds of things people do with that form factor also changes. Mm-hmm. So for example, in a car, mm-hmm. we have observed that in a tiny set that we, uh, Android Auto experiment that we have done, over half the things that people ask the car to do are related to communication and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we basically built, you know, using Google Play and mm-hmm. various other things, YouTube. Uh, we have actually built all those uh, commands. You can, mm-hmm. you can actually tell your phone, call someone yep. that works in the car too. So we focus on the entire spectrum of what you would want the device to do mm-hmm. given the form factor. Mm-hmm. And we perfect every bit of it. So what here? What can happen here? I think right now this is a notifications device. Okay. Okay. That's how it's working today. You kind of, you know, an email comes and you have to decide, should I actually see whether it's from Kera? If it's from Kera, I better pull out my phone and respond immediately or I'll get good. yelled at. Good. Otherwise, good. you know, if good. it's from Sundar, I can ignore it. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. good. I'm glad I've trained you well. Um, but so do you see anything else beyond that right now? Is there something that you go, okay, maybe we can... I believe that, you know, tapping on the shoulder Google Now part, yeah. as we improve that, that is, this will be a tap on the shoulder device. Okay. All right. Interesting. So AMP, you have, bring out your prop. Yes. Show me your prop. Let's talk about AMP and let's talk about, you know, why AMPs? Well, I think it's because you want to make nice with the publishers. But uh, okay. No, no, no. Actually, yes, there's yes, deep yes. thinking behind it. All right. It, okay? Also that. Okay. So, I, you know, Kera wrote an article recently about how Dick Costolo is now, you know, consulting with Silicon Valley, uh, the show. Yeah. And this article is 250 words. Okay. And it's like seven letters, uh, you know, seven characters a word that's under two kilobytes. Okay. Thank you. You know how much time, how much, how many bytes someone had to download Mm -hmm. from Recode server to actually render this article? 2.5 megabytes. Oh, my God. So the information content of this article was 0.08%. Someone to actually read pretty much this much had to download one and a half times this much. Wow. Okay? So we're idiots. Thank you. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's not that. And, And what that shows you is that for a normal publisher, for a normal web developer, Mm -hmm. it is really hard to write well-optimized JavaScript, Mm -hmm. okay? I think about that all the time. Yes, and I'm sorry, your JavaScript's not that good, yeah. Okay, good, okay. So, so then what? Like, you know, so we are doing what computer scientists always do. 
you look at inefficiencies in the system, people are doing the same thing. Render an image, render an image such that when the image renders, the text does not bounce up and down. People, all web developers are doing the same thing. And we are doing what computer scientists always do, which is you take what people are doing over and over and over and over again, inefficiently and poorly, mm -hmm. and you basically bring it into an open source library, mm -hmm. and you publish it on the web and saying, hey, if you want to render an image, if you use AMP image, you will get all these benefits for default. You don't have to be a super duper JavaScript programmer mm -hmm. to make it happen. So we have published this library that people can use that to build their sites, mm -hmm. and that library is a total of 28 kilobytes. Mm -hmm. They can use to publish their sites, and these sites would render faster. They will look much right. better. It wouldn't be downloading two books of Harry Potter to download uh, 250 words. So if Kera's article was written in AMP, it would be two kilobytes of text, 28 kilobytes of JavaScript, which would be cached on the browser, mm -hmm. because our time to live TTL for the JavaScript is very long. Right. So basically, no one downloads it. They download 2K. And then after that, those words have rendered, they download the two images that are most important, mm -hmm. the Silicon Valley image and Dick's image. Yeah, I'm just curious how you like the article itself, but that's okay. But that's where, you know, you yeah. guys are the, are the masters, no, but right? But it's so, taking too long. So, you know, everyone's doing this. Facebook is doing this. Everyone wants to do this caching and holding your stories. As a publisher, it's a tiny bit worrisome in that you're sort of captured by you and I would say you and Facebook pretty much are the, the scariest pair. And now Apple um, doing that is that you have to render in their environment. And so, so the beauty of AMP is that it's no one's environment. Right. It's JavaScript. Right. It already right. exists but out the, there. The, the trend is to do that, to be, to be in their world. But we clearly don't want that, right? You know, we want it well, to you would want be open, right. right? You know, we, because yeah. fundamentally, you don't even have to put it, uh, cache what it What do you Google. imagine with that idea of being in their world, like being the Facebook, what Facebook is doing with Look, their... we generally believe that the world should not be deal-based. It should be open because, you know, I, I have spent my career mm -hmm. building a useful service out of an open ecosystem. The beauty of open ecosystems is anyone can put their information there mm -hmm. and anyone can innovate on that open ecosystem. You wouldn't have all these beautiful companies, all the unicorns that you have today, mm -hmm. if there was not an open ecosystem, if everything was siloed in the well, you know, blue ecosystem or the white ecosystem, you'll be in trouble. Right. It's the blue ecosystem and the multicolored ecosystem. Just so you know. No, no, no. There's okay. the white. Okay. All right. um, last question, and then we'll get to questions. Sundar, what's it like? Is it changed a lot under? You've been working for him for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's really, this is not much of a change. Uh, Sundar was head of products, has been head of products for a while now, over a year. And, you know, we have been functioning like that pretty much when it comes to Google products. And with the most recent change, we've just brought the other, you know, areas of important areas like sales and, and the GNA uh, part under Sundar. And what that allows us to do is we are now kind of all together, we can move faster. Mm -hmm. At the same time, other parts of Alphabet, life sciences or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so on, can have their respective leaders, empowered leaders, and they can move faster. That way we don't kind of, you know, uh, we can keep our focus and we don't, we move fast, we don't become too big. Right, and what is Larry doing all day then? So Larry's clearly thinking about what lies 
ahead mm -hmm. and then making sure that he creates the environment for that to happen. So I always think of Larry as, provi as providing warm waters mm -hmm. and picking leaders to actually make things happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. Mm -hmm. So self-driving cars is an example, life sciences, the contact lens, glucose sensing, contact lens is another example. These are things that you know no one invests in because they don't show you results in two to three year time frame. Right. These are hard scientific challenges. And if we solve them collectively, they would change how human beings live their lives. And that's what kind of Larry has focused on. And all of us have that thinking. Mm -hmm. We are now kind of empowered to take that thinking to the next level. Okay, questions from the audience? Questions? No questions? Anyone? One? All right, I'm gonna ask just two more quick questions. Um, if anyone wants to come up, please do. Um, where do you, when you think about um, searching cars, Entertainment, navigation, what else? Communication. 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 And how does that change in a self-driving environment? Well, I think that's where things get really interesting because at that point, you can kind of function, mm -hmm. okay? And I believe in that, in, in that, in that environment, number one, first of all, mm -hmm. we'll all be much safer. There'll right. be far fewer accidents right. in the world. Right. And number two, we can actually go about living our lives and loving our lives mm -hmm. rather than having to focus on what's happening mm -hmm. uh, in this crazy world and how people are mm -hmm. driving and so on. So I believe what would happen is that people will revert back to their normal information needs alongside communication. and So they'll be working and, and doing stuff like absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. Last question, AI. Is that an area you guys work on a lot? Well, I mean, we clearly think about the future and we are heavily investing in machine learning. We have invested in deep neural networks and they have been tremendously useful for us. The speech recognition system that you see today, it's a product of our deep neural networks research. Mm -hmm. Four years back when we started paying attention, deeply paying attention to speech recognition, we used to get one in four words wrong. You cannot build a product based on getting one in four words wrong. Mm -hmm. Today, after all the AI machine mm -hmm. learning work that we have put into it, we get less than one in 10 words wrong. Mm -hmm. You can actually build a real product based on that. Right. And you see how you, I'm not afraid to kind of show speech recognition live yeah. all the time. It used to be a little scary. It used to be very yeah. scary. Right, question and question. Um, I, I would love to hear a little bit about the tension you personally face when you're building what you build, search, and with privacy. Um, you know. Uh, with the kind of work you do, you're trying to enhance the service a lot by knowing what I am doing or where I am. But at the same time, it freaks me out a little bit that everything and everything I've got going on is sitting on somebody's servers, which are now seem to be more susceptible too. So just philosophically and on a day-to-day -day basis, how do you yeah. deal with that? This is a great question and an incredibly important question of our times. You know, I have two kids and they live online and I have to teach them uh, the value of privacy and, you know, how to conduct them, themselves online. But at the same time, when we think about privacy at Google, there are three dimensions that we think along. Number one is security. If you don't have secure servers, users don't have privacy as you are observing with the latest T-Mobile hack that happened and various other hacks that you have heard about and have been in the news. Mm -hmm. uh, 
we, Google, have dealt with the security aspect in a very deep way from the times we were hacked by state-sponsored hacking. Okay? You've been hacked by the best. Well, <laughs> so, you know, we basically learned this fundamental principle that if security is not there, users have no privacy. We have the best security system in the world today, uh, as far as I know. So we keep our users' data secure. Number two, you have to give users full control over their data. So we recently launched this My Account portal where you can go delete everything, take out everything. You can take out your email so that you don't have to worry about your email stuck with Google. Or you can delete all your data that Google has. We clearly show you what we have, and then you can go delete it, take it out. Number three is opt-in. Users should opt into giving data to Google, and they should know what they're getting in return for value. So I have opted into telling Google where I am and my calendar so that I could get the service I got this morning that I should leave 10 minutes early. So with those three controls, you know, security, you know, user control and opt-in, we feel very good that we can deliver the services that people need with full transparency of what we are doing and deliver them value like the value I got this morning. Okay. Thank you. Oh, there was another question. Go ahead. Yes. Hi, it's Andrea from Shopgate. I was curious about the buy button. Um, do you know if there, what's, what's the traction of the buy button, you know, also considering kind of its strategic dimensions to search for products? Ah, so, you know, so uh, I would say that the whole shopping uh, aspect of Google is run by my friend, friend Sridhar. You know, he generates the revenue. I'm a cost center. Mm -hmm. So I, I like it that way. And, you know, he pays my salary. I thank him every morning. Okay. So you don't do that. And then the uh, very last question, Europe. This, these new rulings in Europe. Yeah. How do you look at what's happening with still with the, the forget, forget me kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. No, Europe, there are a few things. You know, I don't know where, where, which aspect of Europe do you want to talk about. Well, the reason right to be forgotten, safe harbor. Both of them. Both of them. Okay. Really quickly. Super quick. Okay, super quick. Safe harbor, very new. Everyone is in uncharted territory. No one knows. Uh, and we are looking at it. It's very new. The ruling just came out a few days back. Mm -hmm. All companies... Yeah, all basically. companies yeah. are in uncharted territory. But it does impact Google, rather. It, it does impact all, all companies, actually, mm -hmm. you know, including a startup. Negatively. Market. Well, it will impact them <laughs> unless, you know, we, you know, we are figuring out how. Mm -hmm. uh, right to be forgotten. Uh, now, Europe passed this, this law that people should have uh, control over what users see uh, about them. We live... We are a local con company in every country. We abide by local laws. Uh, so in Germany, for example, selling Nazi memorabilia mm. is illegal, and we abide by that, and so on. So we abide by local laws in every country and in Europe. I've, you know, and we have done the best we can working with the DPAs to put a proper process in place so as to what requests will be honored and what not. I wish we had a little more concrete guidance. Mm. We did not. So we did the best we can you working with the think it's actually possible from a computing point of view to be forgotten anymore? I, you know, the, the biggest question there is, I, I believe that, you know, innocent things should, should 
people should have the right to be forgotten. At the, on the other end of the spectrum, a doctor's malpractice yeah. uh, settlement, uh, I don't believe should, should have the right to be forgotten you think because that impacts real life. Either choice, either way, do you think it's even possible? It's, it's clearly hard as we have all experienced, right. uh, but I can, I can totally kind of relate to in some sense. I, can, I have a lot of empathy for some teenager doing something you know, that they shouldn't have, and then that chases them rest of their life. This is not the society that we are. Mm -hmm. We are a far more positive, forgiving society, mm -hmm. and I believe that we should find ways to make that possible. Great. Well, on that note, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kira. Such a pleasure. Thanks.